Well, this morning, for those of you who, who've forgotten what we're doing and how, how you would, I'm not really sure, or if you're new, we've been going through the commands of Christ, and it all comes from Christ's uh, great commission where he told us to go and make disciples, and then he said, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So we're going back and we're looking at all the commands, not all the commands, because we're literally next week we're going we're gonna to be done with the commands. Um, but we're looking at quite a few of them. This is week 13. So we're looking at a lot of the commands of Christ because he said that's what we're to teach disciples, and we're to be disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to talk about another one of them, and the one we're going to look at has to do with the yoke. The yoke. Now, I've already had multiple guys, Richard Inman being one, who've come up and, you know, made the yoke jokes, you know. And this is not what we're going to be talking about. Um, I wish we were serving these this morning, but we're not. So we're not talking about this kind of yoke. We're talking about this kind of yoke. Uh, this, this is one that my dad has. Um, many of you probably heard my dad speak on the same subject uh, several years ago. He does a, uh, a talk about the yoke. And so I asked him if I could borrow his yoke. And the only way he'd let me borrow it if his, is if he could carry it and come with me. So he's here this morning. He wouldn't let me touch it. Um, but this is one that was given to him. And it's, for most of you, you know it's a farm implement. It's, it's used to plow with. This is actually one for training um, small oxen to get them ready to plow. But this is, this is what we're talking about this morning. And so we're going to really find out why, why does Jesus use this command and why are we talking about this? And the command we're looking at is from Matthew 11:29, where Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Now, to us as 21st century Western Americans, that really doesn't mean a whole lot, does it? Because we're not farmers. Maybe some of you grew up near farms, around farms. Maybe you've seen these in use. My dad grew up in Pennsylvania, in the Pennsylvania Dutch area. He had family members who were farmers. We used to go there. Um, for Thanksgiving, and, and we, we would see that you can still see these in use, especially by the Amish. Uh, but most of us, we really don't think too much about what this means. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to us. What we're going to find out is to his audience, when he spoke these words, it meant a tremendous amount on a couple of different levels, and we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, it's part of a, a larger passage and we're going to pick it up at verse 28. Look at, look at what he says. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's, it's a real interesting passage, and we're going to take it apart and, and look at the, kind of the contradictions. At first blush, it, it almost seems kind of confusing. But we're going to try to find out what is Jesus saying? Why does he use this imagery? Yes, he's speaking to people who are predominantly in an agrarian culture, a farm culture. But does it still have resonance for us today? I think it does. Uh, obviously it does. If it's one of his commands and he tells, tells his disciples to teach it to every disciple. So what does it mean to take his yoke upon you? I love the, the message uh, I love the way they translate it. I don't always agree with the message, but in this particular case, I like the way he, he translated this. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Listen to that again. This is Jesus speaking to you and I. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Now, in this room today, I know there's got to be some guys who, as the passage described earlier in verse 28, who feel a little bit weary and heavy laden. Maybe you got some burdens. They could be financial burdens. They could be family burdens. They could be work burdens. But you're just kind of weary. Or maybe you're just, you're just weary of trying. Weary of trying to live the Christian life, trying to pull this thing off. Uh, 
this passage is for you. This passage is for every guy in the room who has ever found himself in that place. If you're weary, if you're heavy laden, Jesus says, come to me. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You know, I I thought about, I got this from Richard Inman, but I thought about calling this lesson the yokes on you. You know, but then I thought, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use that. Not because it's a really corny joke, but because it may not be true. It really may not be true for every guy in this room that the yoke is on you. You know, you can be a follower of Jesus Christ and not be yoked with Jesus Christ. It, it, it doesn't, they don't come together. That's why you see in this passage, he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then he says, what? Take my yoke upon you. We're going to see that the first part's an invitation and the other part's a command. And so the truth is many of us in the room today may not really be on, in the yoke. We may not be yoked with Jesus Christ and our lives show the results of that. So what does it mean to be yoked? Let's, uh, let's take this a little deeper, guys. First of all, let me, let me ask, show of hands, who in, who in the room, and by the way, there are a ton of biscuits left. If you want to go get some more, have at it. Anybody in the room feel weary or heavy laden right now? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, anybody not feel, yeah, we'd like to talk to you. Um, take your pulse. I, th- I think this passage, I found this passage in studying it the last couple of weeks very encouraging. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to be in the pits of despair, but life can be hard. Just keeping up with work and family and paying the bills can be hard. It doesn't have to have a crisis for you to feel weary and heavy laden. You can feel weary and heavy laden just living the Christian life. But I think the reason sometimes we feel weary and heavy laden living the Christian life is because we're doing it outside of the yoke. We're doing it on our own. We're not doing it with him. Well, you know, it's interesting. This passage to me is a little bit confusing. Uh, There's some confusion in it because of the terminology that Jesus uses. It confuses me. I think it confuses a lot of people. Because he starts out, he's, he's addressing the weary and the heavy laden. And your translation may be slightly different. Basically, you can boil it down to these two terms, worn out, weighted down. The worn out and the weighted down. That's who he's talking to. And we'll explain that in greater detail in just a second, what that means. And especially in the context and the people to which he's speaking. Then he goes on, he promises them rest. So he says, hey, if you're weary, you're heavy laden, you're weighted down, you're burdened, I'm going to give you rest. Okay, I can buy that part. If you're weary, you want rest. Then he commands them to put on an instrument of labor, a yoke. You're weary, you're tired, you're heavy laden, you're burdened down, I'll give you rest. Oh, by the way, put on a yoke. Now, again, that may not resonate with you, but if you're a first century Jew who lives in an agrarian culture, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And I think it it was a disconnect for them as well. Put on the yoke. And there's a second aspect of this that we're going to talk about in a minute that, that even meant more to them as a people. Then he says, it's going to be easy. You're tired, you're weary, I'm going to give you rest, put on a yoke, and it's going to be easy. Wait a minute. How, that doesn't make any sense. How is that easy? And then he says, your burden's going to be light. So there's some confusion in this. I think there was confusion for the people who heard it the first time he said it. But here's the key, and this is the the most important thing for us this morning. We will never understand the promises of these verses. And here's, here's, here's the two promises. He says, first of all, come, I will give you rest. Then he says, take on my yoke, and you'll find rest for your souls. Two promises he has for you and I, but we'll never understand, we'll never grasp these promises, we'll never experience these promises until we understand the meaning of these verses. You know, show of hands, you know, probably 80, 75, 80% of the guys in the room sh- said that they, at least right now, in some way feel weary and heavy laden, which to me means you need rest. 
And if you want rest, which is what he's promising, you've got to understand these verses. What is he talking about? What does he mean when he says, take my yoke upon you? As comforting as this passage is, there's a, or as confusing, there's a comfort in this command. There's a comfort. Let's look at the context, because it's real important to understand this passage. Let's just not yank it out of the scriptures. Let's really understand what's the context. He's talking to the people of Israel. He's talking to Jewish people. He's had some exchanges with the Pharisees. Remember we talked about the Pharisees last week, their legalism, their addiction to rules and regulations, the oral law and the written law. He's talking to Jews who live in that culture and around that mindset. And again, agrarian culture. He talks to them and he addresses them and he says, hey, anybody who's weary and heavy laden, why does he use those terms? Well, because of the culture they live in. They live under the the yoke of legalism. The yoke of legalism. You know, that's interesting. This term yoke was was not only an agricultural term for them, but it also was something that was tied to their religion. It was tied to their religion. So it's a term they knew about. They were under the yoke of legalism. For instance, in first century Judaism, in the time in which Jesus lived, Walking with God for a Jew was termed and referred to as the yoke of Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So if you were to walk with God, you walked according to the Torah. You were yoked to the Torah. So when he used the term yoke, it not only meant this, this farm implement, it meant a relationship with the law, to be yoked with the law. And I think it had some pretty negative connotations because you were literally yoked with the law you were burdened with the law you were under its control they also referred to it as the yoke of commandment of commandment the 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 laws of god the commands of god the problem is as we talked about last week the pharisees came along and they decided they wanted to add to the law of god so it was not only about keeping the law that god gave But it was also about keeping their oral law, the oral law of the Pharisees. So this thing had gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And again, we talked about that last week. Here's an interesting thing. The Pharisees had 365 prohibitions. In other words, the don'ts. Do not do this. And they had 250 do's that... Were their own oral law. This is over and above God's law. They they just added to the law. They were constantly adding to the law. So you can understand that these people, when Jesus said, anybody who's weary and heavy laden, these people were burdened down by the yoke of legalism, trying to keep the law. I mean, I can't imagine trying to keep up with 365 do-nots. I mean, the Ten Commandments are hard enough. But 365 don'ts and 250 do's, do this, do that, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. And so you can understand that they were, they were yoked to legalism. This is about religious externalism. Again, we talked about this last week. The, the externals of, you know, washing your hands, you know, making sure your hands were clean before you ate, making sure you tithe mint and cumin, and, you know, they were nitpicky, minutia-minded Religious fanatics. But we can be the same way today. We can be real obsessed with the outside, how we are perceived, but not really worry about the inside. So it's externalism. It was a rigid set of do's and don'ts. And so these poor just farmers and agrarian people were just constantly living under this this pressure of the law and keeping the laws. And they were coming up with new laws and new prohibitions and what you could do and what you couldn't do. And the goal was perfect obedience. Perfect obedience. Can you imagine having that as your standard? That you have to live perfectly? You cannot make a mistake? Or if you do, you're not walking with God? You're, you're not part of the kingdom? So th- this, this is about legalism. It's about the pressure. And here's the result of all that. These were people who were filled with guilt, they were filled with frustration, and they were spiritually exhausted. 
You know what I see sometimes when, when I stand in the foyer of this church on a typical Sunday? I see people like this. I see people who come blowing in the door and they, you know, they got their kids in tow and, you know, you know, the kids are half dressed and, you know, you can just tell it's not been a good morning. And they, they look totally frazzled and frustrated. And maybe they've had an argument with their wife in the car and they've screamed at the kids and guilt about the way they live their lives. And there's not a joy. There's not a, hey, I'm here to worship God. You know what Jesus is saying to those people? And maybe you're one of them. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. He's offering rest, but he's talking to, in the context of this passage, a people who are spiritually exhausted from trying to do the right thing. Look at what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 4. He says, They tie up heavy burdens, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. It's a picture of... Here's this poor guy, this poor farmer, and here comes the Pharisee with this huge pack, and he puts it on his back, and he says, carry this. And he's not even willing to take his finger and kind of lift the corner of it and help him. He just keeps adding to it. Keep that image in mind when, you, when we start talking about this image, because it's completely different what Jesus is offering. It's a different kind of a burden. It's a different kind of a relationship. So it's legalism. In Acts 15, Peter is addressing the, um, the apostles. They've had a problem. You know, Peter's out there and Paul are out ministering to the Gentiles. You, you, you know, early on, the church was predominantly made up of converted Jews. And those converted Jews, many of them were adamant that, first of all, that we don't think Gentiles should even be in the church. But then if they are going to be in the church... They have to be circumcised, the law, and they have to keep the law. They have to live like a Jew. They have to become a Jew before they can become a Christian. It's what the New Testament talks about as Judaizers. They were infiltrating the church, and they were having a a profound impact on the church. So Peter is addressing the apostles. They're having a debate about this issue, and it's the issue of circumcision, keeping of the law. Listen to what he says. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? He says, guys, this isn't about legalism anymore. This isn't about circumcision. This isn't about keeping the law. Why are you putting this yoke, same term, on the necks of these Gentile disciples when we couldn't even bear the yoke? So Jesus is talking to a group of people, Peter knew it, people who were in a yoke, but they were yoked to the wrong thing. They're yoked to legalism. They're yoked to self-righteousness, getting to heaven on your own terms, your own merit, and it never works, and they're completely worn out. The second thing they were yoked to was the burden of sin. You know, I I love, uh, I referred to it a couple of weeks ago, but the, the story Pilgrim's Progress and if you've ever read that story, we, we happen to have a picture book because we've read it to our kids over the years. But the pictures are, what I love about them is Pilgrim was carrying a burden. From the day he started to head to the celestial city, he had this pack on his back. And it's the, it's the burden of sin. It's the idea that you and I are not only yoked to legalism at times, we're yoked to sin. We still are carrying this sin with us. John 8.34 says, Truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. You're burdened, you're chained to sin. You have to do what sin demands. It controls you. Over in Romans, Paul says, Do do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? The burden of sin. He's addressing a people who are... Yoked to legalism and their burden under sin. Why? Because they were never going to be able to get rid of their sin through keeping the law. That's why Jesus came. So he knew when he talked to these people, he knew when he he said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, who was he talking to? Everybody who could hear him. Because there wasn't a person out there who wasn't weary, heavy laden, burdened down under sin 
and under the yoke of the law. So that's the context. What's the calling? This passage has two parts. It has the come, and then the second part is the take. And I want to look at the calling real briefly. He says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. There's two offers of rest. And we're not going to have time to look at it, but if you want to do a study, go and look. The, The two words he uses for rest are completely different words in the Greek. He's offering two different kinds of rest. This is an invitation. He's saying, come. Hey, you're weary, you're heavy laden? Hey, come. I got something for you. It's an invitation. It's a call from Jesus Christ to turn from whatever you're yoked to right now to him. Whatever else you're depending on. If you're depending on your own moral righteousness to get you to heaven, if you're depending on your own effort to save you, whatever you're depending on, he says, you know what? Come. All who are weary and heavy laden. It's an invitation. To the lost, the people of his day, it's a call to believe in me. Hey, come have a relationship with me. Come to me. But you know what? There's a message in it for us as well. Because to believers, it's a call to follow him as a disciple. And just because you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior does not make you a disciple. We've been talking about this for months, but we can't talk about it enough because it's a two-part verse. He says, come and then take up my yoke. You can come and not necessarily take up your yoke. He wants you to follow him as a disciple. Hey, come to me. Come to me for salvation, but also come to me for a relationship on the long term and change your behavior, change your heart. Watch what can happen. It's also about a relationship. He says, come, but he says, come to me. Come to me. What's significant about this to me is he's not saying come to a new program or a new system of religion. Hey, I've got a new, a new way of doing this. It's, it's no longer, you know, the, the Pharisees' way. It's no longer um, the scribes' way. It's... I got a new a new way a new plan. You know, I had a, a talk yesterday. Doug Cecil and I were talking to one of the um, guys in our staff, one of the younger guys in our staff, and we were just talking about you know the, all the new churches that pop up, and and it just seems like everybody everybody's got a new way of doing church, you know. And, and my my way's better than your way, and it's the emerging church, and it's the the Gen X church, and it's this church, and it's that church, and you know the problem with all those new churches is. They all get old. You know, their way gets old, you know, and the people get old. You got a Gen X church. You can't stay Gen X forever. You can try. I can grow a soul patch, but it doesn't make me Gen X. Um, And I'm going to get laughed off the stage. So everybody's got a new program or a system. Jesus is saying, no, come to me. Come to me. Not Not a religion. It's not about more rules. It's not, hey, the Pharisees have 350. I've only got 20. Wouldn't you rather follow me? And mine are really easy. That's not what this is about. This is about a relationship. Come to me. And it's directed at the hurting. The hurting. You know, the the truth is about Christianity, about a relationship with Jesus Christ, until you realize you're hurting and admit it, you will never need him. Until you realize you're a sinner, you don't need a savior. You know, if I'm out swimming in the lake and I'm having a great time and I'm flailing my arms, you know, because that's the way I swim, and somebody comes by on a boat and, you know, tries to rescue me and he jumps in the water and he tries to, you know, I'm going to fight the guy because, hey, what are you doing? I'm not drowning. Leave me alone. Until I realize I'm drowning, I don't need a Savior. And many of us today don't think we need a Savior. Many of us don't think we need Christ even after we're saved because we think we can handle it on our own. He talks to the hurting, the weary, the heavy laden. Weary is the effect, okay? It's, it's how you feel. What's the cause? The cause is that you're heavy laden. You're burdened down. Let's look at what those mean. To be heavy laden, guys, it, it's, it's having a burden placed upon you. It's like Christian. Pilgrim's Progress, trying to get to the celestial city, and he's carrying this huge pack. 
in the context of agriculture, and again, in their day, it was to, to load as when you're placing a, a load on the back of an ox. You're burdening the ox. One minute he's unburdened, now he's burdened. That's the terminology we're talking about. It's to oppress by legal burdens. That's exactly what the Pharisees had done. 350 don'ts and 250 do's. Legal burdens. You're heavy laden. You've just got all this stuff on top of you. In Luke 11.46, Jesus said, Woe to you lawyers as well, for you weigh men down with burdens too hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. It's the companion passage to the one we looked at earlier. You burden people down. You weigh people down. And the result is they're weary. That word means to labor. You ever carried something too heavy for you? You ever, you ever carried a pack that just really got way too heavy? You know, we as men will act like it's not. You know, I can handle it. But it's just too much. It's too wearying. It's to expend great effort in hard and disagreeable work. It's just, it's just not enjoyable. This is not fun. This, is, this hurts. This is no longer fun. It's to carry something you were never meant to carry. You were never meant to carry it. You were never meant to carry legalism, the burden of legalism. You were also never meant to carry sin by yourself. That's why we have a Savior. But what do we do? We walk around carrying both, legalism and sin, and we're just burdened down, and we have no rest, and we're weary. We're worn out. We're completely worn out. So what does he say? Jesus says, come unto me, I'll give you rest. Then he says, take up my yoke and learn from me. This is the command part. This is the important part for us this morning. This is a call to discipleship. You know, it's interesting as I was, you know, I've heard my dad talk about the yoke for years and I was studying about it the last two weeks. I went on the internet and just started, you know, you type in yoke and just like anything else in the internet, it's amazing what you'll find. Uh, but I did find some interesting things. One of the things about the yoke, this is a training yoke made for small oxen, but um, in Jesus' day, what they would typically do, these were made, of course, by carpenters. You know, most tradition, we believe Jesus was a carpenter. But what a carpenter would do is when a farmer wanted to train an ox, he would contact the local carpenter, the carpenter would come out, and he would measure the oxen. And then he would go back to his shop and he would make a custom-made yoke. And this is a training yoke, but typically what would happen is a young ox who had never been yoked was always put with a trained ox. That was the discipleship process on the farm. So if you have a large ox and he's trained, and he knows how to plow, and he's obedient, what they would do is they would take a young ox who had been out in the field having a great time, minding their own business, just free, you know, doing things his way, his will, and what they would do is they would put that young ox in with a large ox, and he would learn to plow. Now, what do you think that young ox would do as soon as you put him in this, this thing? He'd fight it tooth and toenail. He would pull, he would yank, he would fight, but he's, he's teamed with a large ox who's much stronger. And in most cases, the way they would trace him, they, the, the reins would go to the large ox, so the young ox isn't even pulling. What he's doing is pulling away, and he's getting dragged. He's getting dragged, and he's learning to plow Again, when we see this, we don't think about this, but those people did. They thought about, this is a discipleship tool. It's a training tool. When he says, take up my yoke, it's about discipleship. It's about yielding. That young ox was going to have to learn to yield, or guess what he was going to do? He was going to get a really sore neck because he wasn't going to win in this process. And, you know, sometimes I get a sore neck living as a Christian, 
And I think, what is up with that? Why, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep hitting my head against that wall? Why, why, why is this so frustrating? It's because I'm trying to get out of the yoke. I'm trying to fight it. We have a puppy that we're trying to learn to walk by a leash. He hates it. She hates it. And she's always yanking and she's always pulling. And, and, and guess what she does? She's, she's always gagging. Because she's trying to get out of that leash. But we're trying to teach her to walk on a leash. We're trying to disciple her, train her. But she's always fighting it. And someday she's going to learn that it's okay. And if I quit fighting, this can be enjoyable. And I'll get to go places I never got to go before. That's what this is all about, guys. Uh, But, you know, it's interesting that I, I tend to think of too often the negatives associated with this that it's constraining, it's restrictive, it's, I'm going to have to sweat in that. It doesn't look real comfortable. Why would I want to get into that? I kind of like, I, I like being the little ox out in the field having my good old time. Why would I want to get in that? And it's, an, it's like, take my yoke. You do it. You put it on yourself. Well, here's the interesting thing that I just started this week jotting down what I think this passage is telling us about the yoke, that the yoke equals liberty. See, I look at that and I think, well, no, that's restriction. That's bondage. That's, I can't go where I want to go. But the reality is it's freedom. And we're going we're gonna to understand that a little bit more in just a minute. It also represents ease and comfort. See, I look at that, I don't see ease and comfort. I see pain. But the reality is if you get in the yoke with Christ, he says, it's easy. The burden is light. He also says, it's life. You want true life as a Christian? Here's your answer. It won't be outside of this. It'll be inside of it. It's about intimacy. It's about, you notice there's a place for two. You know, I, I want my own yoke. I want a single man yoke. You know, I don't want, okay, if I got to have a yoke, I want my own. No, that's not the way it works. It's, I get in with, with somebody else. And you can't be yoked and not get intimate. I mean, you're going to sweat together, you're going to pull together, you're going to snort together, you're going you're gonna to do everything together. It's intimacy. And maybe that kind of makes, you know, guys don't like intimacy, except on our terms and the person of our choice. This is about intimacy, guys. It's also about union, doing something together with someone else. And I'm, I'm one of, probably one of the most independent guys in the room. I, I just, you know, I've told you before, you know, it drives my wife crazy. I, I have a, a wood shop, and I love to work in my wood shop. And my wife will say, hey, take, take Hudson out to the wood shop, my son. I'm like, why? Well, because he's your son. What's he going to do out there? Well, he's... He, he could work with you. Well, he didn't know how to work with wood. I mean, th- this is how I think. You know, I'm just, I, well, teach him how to work with wood, but I won't get anything done. And, you know, why my wife hasn't slapped me before, I don't know, but I, am a, I don't like union. I, I'm an independent kind of a do-it-myself kind of guy. This is about union. It's also about learning and direction. The yoke is about learning. You know, let me let me read you this. This is this will sh- show you how bored I can get. Um, went on the internet and found there's actually a website called PrairieOxDrovers.com. There's a website for anything. Listen to this. This is this is a website for people who love to train oxen. I don't know how many hits they get, but uh, there there's a whole culture. Yeah, they got one. Yeah. I've ordered my two oxen, yeah. (laughs) Listen to this. Training oxen requires two separate animals. Okay, I get that part. Which have previously been their own masters and making them a team that will work for another master. Behaving this way is contrary to nature. These animals have already learned many things before they begin this training. It's your job to undo some of the things they have learned and to teach them many new things. Every time they're in the yoke, they will learn something either beneficial or unbeneficial. And they will challenge you as their new master as they try to continue to meet their own needs and desires. Think about this in your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Cattle are led by rules of who is boss. You must prove yourself worthy of being followed, of being a leader that oxen can trust, and who will provide them with their basic needs of food, rest, water, shelter, protection, and some social interaction. I mean, you could preach a whole series of sermons on this. Of all the things that Jesus has promised, that he's our provider. He gives us rest. Training oxen is more than learning certain rules and applying them. I love that part. It is a combination of what you know, achieving their acknowledgement that you are a good leader, being able to give correct body language, and being able to consistently give verbal and visual commands. The oxen must be able to respect you and to accept you as leader. To train them through cause and effect, you need to know your animals and to be able to control how their environment affects them. When I get into the yoke with Jesus Christ, see, he's, he's the trainer ox. He's the guy, he's the big one. I'm the little one. I got a lot to learn. I've got some things I got to unlearn. I get in with him, and he's going to teach me some things. Oxen will learn. They either learn bad habits or good ones. Make your team do everything you command them to. Never let them do something different than what you have ordered. Do not let them disobey or run away or do anything apart from what you have asked. Anytime they misbehave, you ever misbehave in the, in the yoke? Continue the lesson longer. I hate this part. Even if you have to yoke them up again, only allow them to stop if they end up still willingly following your commands. They need to learn that when they are working, they are not in charge. Ooh. This is from prairiedrovers.com. Make it your new devotional site. <laughs> Learning and direction. It's about surrender. Surrender. Boy, we as Americans, we hate that term, don't we? Americans don't surrender. We win. Well, you're going to get in this yoke, you're going to surrender, especially if you're the little one. You're going to give up your will, your rights, your way. It's also about accomplishment. One of the reasons you get into a yoke is to get something done. See, we forget about that. Why do you get in the yoke? Because you've got a job to do. You've got work to do. It's about accomplishment. It's not about punishment. It's about accomplishment, about getting something done. It's also about partnership, union, relationship, intimacy, partnering up with Jesus Christ in doing something. Well, let's look at these four little points I want to make. His yoke is an instrument of training. We just talked about that. He says, learn from me. Who do you learn from? You learn from him. You're in with him. What I love about this is that God doesn't take and partner me with somebody like me. That'd be like taking two untrained oxen and putting them in the same yoke together. I mean, you're going to have a mess on your hands. You're certainly not going to plow with them. Now, they do that, but they don't plow with those oxen. They basically just train them in, in the yoke. What Jesus Christ does is he puts me in the yoke with him. I get to learn from him. I get to train with him. I get to walk alongside him. That's where he says, learn from me. It's interesting, that word in the Greek is the verb from which we get the word for disciple. He says, learn, disciple with me, walk alongside me. You know, if you want to be discipled, we would love to link you up with another man. But at the end of the day, you know who you're a disciple of. is not that other man. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're in the yoke with him. You're going to learn from him. That word means to learn by inquiry, asking questions. It's okay to ask Jesus questions. It's okay to say, why? Why does this hurt so much? And you know what he might say? Because you're straining too hard. Because you're pulling the wrong direction. Because you won't let me lead. It's okay to inquire. You have to use, it's use and practice. It's doing it over and over and over again. That word also means to learn, to appropriate to oneself less through instruction than through experience or practice. You know, the, the ox driver doesn't go out and, and get a blackboard and sit down with the oxen in the stall and say, okay, let me explain, let me explain how, you, how this works. This, and he draws a diagram, says, this, this is a yoke. You're going to put your head in here. You know, the other one's going to put his head in here. Okay, everybody got that? Repeat. 
But see, that's what we do. That's, that's, that's church. I mean, we, we, we throw out information and we all fill our heads with knowledge and then we never practice it. This is about practice. You don't train the oxen by talking about it. You just put them in the yoke. And he learns by doing. It's not about the acquisition of information. Hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. I hope you come every week. You're gaining information, but if you don't put it into practice, it's useless. It's useless. So this is about training. It's also about a transformed lifestyle. He starts out as a young ox, frolicking in the field, having a great time, doing things his way, running when he wants to run, eating when he wants to to eat, doing other things when he wants to do those other things. Suddenly, he's in here, and it transforms his life. He's no longer the same ox he was before. He has greater value. This yoke is also about accomplishing work. Don't let this get by you. The yoke is about accomplishment. It's about submitting to his will. I've said this before to you guys. I'll say it again. Jesus Christ has a will, a plan, and a purpose for every man in this room. I don't care how long you've known him. I don't care how much scripture you know. He has a plan for you. He's got a job for you to do. But until you get in the yoke, you'll never accomplish it. Because it's all about his will. It's about following his way. When you get in the yoke and he starts plowing, guess what? You're going to plow his way, his direction, on his terms, his pace, and you're going to accomplish his will, his way. But you're going to be able to look back at the end of the day and see the row. You're going to be able to see what you've accomplished and be amazed that you were able to do that. You're going to use your energy for his agenda. See, I want to use my energy for my agenda. But no, when you get in the yoke, it's all about his agenda. Lord, what do you want to do today? Where do you want to plow today? What work do you have for me to do today? And I love this. It's about moving from being redeemed. See, the first part of this passage is, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Being redeemed by Jesus Christ out of the burden of legalism and sin, he wants to transform us into being redeemers. You are a redeemer. Man, I feel like one. But you are out here in this world. You've been left here to accomplish the work of Jesus Christ. What is the work of Jesus Christ? To redeem mankind to his Father. And we're part of that process. So we have a job to do. We have work to do. Third, his yoke, he tells us, is easy. What does that mean? It doesn't sound like it'd be that easy. But the, the better translation of that word is not easy. It's useful or beneficial. His yoke is beneficial. Why do farmers use these things? Because they work. Why do they still use them today? Because they work. They're beneficial. They're good. They're not only good for the farmer, they're good for the oxen. You know, the, 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 this hasn't changed over the centuries. They're made, making them the same way today they used to make them. They don't make them out of metal. They don't make them out of plexiglass. They make them out of wood, and they make them in a certain way because it's good for the oxen, and it's good for the farmer. They're useful. They're beneficial. It benefits me when I get in it in accomplishing my God-given purpose. If, if I want to get something done for God and I do it outside of this thing, I'm going to strain, I'm going to, I'm going to do it in my own flesh, I'm going to be tired, I'm going to be hurt, and I will not get the job done. But when I get in here, it becomes beneficial. It becomes good for me because it helps me do what God's called me to do because I'm doing it his way, on his terms, linked with the Son of God. It's also tailor-made. As I told you earlier, the, the farmer would call the carpenter. The carpenter would come out, he'd measure the big ox, he'd measure the little ox, and he would make it to fit. My yoke is different than your yoke. Your yoke's different than my yoke. It's tailor-made for you to walk with him. Jesus Christ knows your capacity. He knows how much you can carry. You know, as, as an oxen gets trained, starting out, all the power's coming from the big ox. The reins go to the big ox. The trace lines go to the big ox. But over time, they start shifting. And suddenly, you're pulling more. You're doing more, but you're doing it in conjunction with him. He knows what you can handle. He knows your capacity. 
Well, not only is it beneficial or easy, he says, my yoke's light. What does he mean by that? You know what? He doesn't remove the burden. Let me say that again. He doesn't remove the burden. You're still going to pull something, but he just says it's going to be light compared to what it was. See, pulling the law, the burden of the law, is the law is good, we're told by Paul. It's holy. It's righteous. It's just that you can't do it in your flesh. But you know what? You're still going to accomplish the holy will of God, but you're going to do it the right way, the only way. He doesn't remove the burden. He bears it alongside us. He walks with me. He pulls with me. He talks with me. You know, the picture I get is if you've got these two oxen, I don't know oxen don't talk, at least I don't think they do. But if, if, if you and I were literally linked like this day after day, pulling together, think of the conversations we would have. We're kind of, I'd, I'd be looking at you going, how are you feeling? Well, I'm kind of tired. Okay, well, I'll pull a little harder right now. Think about the intimacy. Think about Jesus Christ being with you, pulling alongside you. So when he says his yoke makes the burden light, he's really saying that the burden feels light in weight, not burdensome or overbearing. If you feel overburdened and overbearing right now, it's because you're not in the yoke like you're supposed to be. Because it shouldn't be if you're in there with him. It should be light. Well, what's the contrast? I'll close with this. What good's an unyoked ox? You ever think about that? I know you haven't. You didn't wake up this morning. Hey, you know, what what good's an unyoked ox? Well, I thought about it this week. If, if you've got an unyoked ox in the field, what earthly good is it besides it eats your hay, eats your grass, and leaves droppings all over your field? What, what earthly good is it? It's nothing. It's got talents. It's got strengths. It's got abilities. It's got energy. It's powerful. But it's out in the field, and it's accomplishing nothing of value except what it wants to do. Without the yoke... That ox is untapped and unchanneled. And if you are out of the yoke, you are untapped and unchanneled. You've got energy, you've got God-given talents and gifts, but they are not being used for his kingdom because you refuse to get in the yoke. What good is an unyoked ox? It's no good at all. What good is an unyoked Christian? No good at all. We weren't designed to be unyoked. What does an ox do that's left to its own devices? Whatever it wants. It does whatever it wants. I put an ox in a field, it's going to do what it wants to do all day long. What do I do when left to my own devices? I do what I want to do all day long. But if I'll get, get in the yoke, God will change that. Let me, let me read you this in closing. This is from Dwight Pentecost talking about this very passage and it's a story from his life he says there was an old farmer plowing with a team of oxen as i saw this team i was somewhat amazed for one was a huge ox the other a very small bullock that ox towered over the little bullock that was sharing the work with him i was amazed and perplexed to see a farmer trying to plow with two such unequally yoked animals and commented on the inequality to the man with whom i was riding he stopped his car and said i want you to notice something See the way those traces are hooked to the yoke? You'll observe that the large ox is pulling all the weight. That little bullock is being broken into the yoke, but he is not actually pulling any weight. My mind instinctively came to this passage of Scripture where our Lord said, Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. In the normal yoking, the load is equally distributed between the two that are yoked together. But when we are yoked with Jesus Christ, he bears the load, And we who are yoked to him share in the joy and the accomplishment of the labor, but without the burden. Without the burden. You know, an ox that's left to its own devices does whatever it wants, but it does not do what the master wants. I think Jesus Christ is calling you and I to a life of discipleship in the yoke with him. And he says, I will give rest to your soul. Rest of your soul. Hebrews 12, 10 and 11. Listen to this. He disciplines us for our good. 
This is about discipline, guys. There's no way getting around it. You're going to learn something in this. Why? So that we may share his holiness. All discipline seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. I look at this and I think sorrow, but it's about joy. Yet to those who have been trained by it, by discipline, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You want to live a righteous life? You want to live a life that accomplishes great things for God? Get in the yoke. Get in with him. Take up his yoke and walk with him. It's a daily decision we have to make. It's a daily decision I have to make. It's not about me. It's not my will, my way, my terms. It's not hanging out in the field having a great time. I was made for something greater, and it's to accomplish his will. Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the invitation to come to him when I'm weary and heavy laden. Father, you, you don't want me to be weary and heavy laden. So you sent your son, and then he, he commands me to take up my yoke, to take up a, his yoke, get in it with him, and learn from him. Learn to walk the righteous way, the right way, God's way, on his terms, in his energy, And, Father, that's what I want to do with my life. Forgive me for trying to get out of the yoke. Forgive me for longing to get back in the field, having things my way, but accomplishing nothing of value with my life. Father, thank you for the pains in the neck that you bring my way. When I strain to get out of the yoke, you remind me that I'm supposed to be in it. And if I'll yield to it, I'll accomplish great things alongside Jesus Christ. I will be doing your will, your work, your way, in your strength, and I will enjoy rest for my soul. Father, we've come, and many of us have admitted we're weary right now and we feel burdened down. Help us to step into the yoke and realize that it doesn't have to be that way. And you will give us the strength we need. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We praise you. Take this day and use it for your will, for your glory, and for our good, that we might become the men you've called us to be, men who are men of the yoke. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Amen.